this is Genoa. This is Yusuf. And this is... And uh, hello all. Um, I hope uh, September is uh, pretty drama free. Uh, I know it's not um, the coolest of Septembers, at least on the West Coast, and I guess East Coast also, as I just heard from General. <laughs> not yeah, it's, it's hot all around. Yeah, unless you in what San Francisco you say? Is there, yeah, uh, apparently San Francisco didn't get too hot this weekend. Right. So if you're up in San Francisco, we're jealous. Uh, but the United States as a whole, we have something for you this week uh, in the form of Elvish. Yes. So uh, this is the Baz uh, Lerman story uh, although it is called Elvis um, and the IMD description talks about Elvis uh, it's really a movie about Colonel Tom Parker who was Elvis's manager um, but just for reference the IMDB descriptor of the movie is the life of American music icon Elvis Presley from his childhood to becoming a rock and movie star in the 1950s while maintaining a complex relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. So the story is told from Colonel Parker's perspective. Um, and Colonel Parker is played by the amazing Tom Hanks. Uh-huh. And Elvis is played by Austin Butler. Yeah. Is this is I don't know. Have you seen him in anything before this? I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. If, uh... I mean, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he played Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I don't think he was really on screen all that much as Tex Watson. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Um, but I have. He was in a, a TV series called The Shannara Chronicles. Um, and then he was also on Arrow as Chase so yes Ah. I've seen all those things (laughs) but I do have to say all those things like he's not everything that he's done up until now I didn't feel like he was very outstanding Mm -hmm. like you don't really remember him like we both saw once upon a time in Hollywood, and I don't remember him as text at all. Nope. Uh, but um, as Elvis, he's freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely his breakthrough role. This is one of those like, if you don't know this guy, you know him now. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was awesome as you know a young Elvis, and um, even as a fat Elvis. Yeah, he was as fat. Even though, like, I could have used a little bit more. Oh, okay, I know what Elvis dad was. Like, he was forties, was forty something, right? Uh, when Elvis died, he was forty-two. Yeah, yeah forty. Okay, yeah. So, which is cool because I guess, like, you know, if you're forty-two, you ain't like you ain't wrinkly. You know, you still for. I mean, what they say. You know, that would that would a good looking corpse. So forty two was like, all right, you you ain't a raisin. You know, you still fairly good looking, right? <laughs> right. He, 
Right. Unless like you spend all of your time out in the sun. Uh, but agreed. Like, except for the, um, like bloated look, the fat look because of all the drugs that he was on. Um, yeah, he, he was an attra- attractive man, even into his early forties before he passed away. I mean, if you go back to the YouTube, you, you can see one of his last concerts, which was done in 77, mm-hmm. um, in Nebraska. Um, you can find clips of it on YouTube and it was filmed like two months before he passed away. Like his singing, his performance. I know everyone was like, he was obviously on drugs and mumbling things, but it was still like, he sings Love Me Tender and just blows it out of the park. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd suggest going and finding that clip on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then. Like, even in the movie, we see his 1968, like, comeback tour, where he's the all-leather performance. And that aired on HBO in, I think, I want to say 87? No, 85. Uh, Because I remember seeing it as a kid on HBO. Yeah, it was 85. Um, And, like, although Elvis was never something I was into um, or my family was into like very he was an impressive singer and impressive performer mm-hmm. and this kid um, Austin Butler like he nailed it yeah oh yeah most definitely yeah I, he he definitely brought the the energy and the swagger and the style and you know the personality of a young Elvis Presley to the big screen. And also, you know, and it, his performance meshed well with, you know, Boz Arman's style of filmmaking. For people who don't know of his filmography, he did, you know, the, the 1996 version of Romeo and Juliet with Claire Danes and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And his next follow-up, was five years later with this little movie called Moulin Rouge. <laughs> uh, and then the next big one he did wasn't until uh, 2013. We paired back up with DiCaprio for uh, The Great Gatsby. Right. And his wife won an Oscar for that movie for the costumes. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, because, yeah, him and his wife um, are a duo for all the films that he works on, and she does all the costumes for it. And, like, once again, like her costumes in Moulin Rouge, The Great Gatsby, um, and then Elvis were just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely captured, like, you know, Captured the era, captured like, you know, Elvis style and the outfits. Cause I know it's a lot of reference from, you know, actual performance and stuff like that. But, you know, that's the cool thing about, uh, you know, being, you know, doing costumes. So you can kind of punch it up, you know, you can make it more, uh, extravagant, so to speak, you know, and, you know, especially for screen and for, for movies, for, a movie interpretation of an actual event. So yeah, it was really good. Like I said, along with Boz Larman's kinetic uh, way of telling the story or telling his story, 
uh, in music form. So yeah, it, it's definitely a good mesh with like <laughs> husband and wife pair. <laughs> Yes. Yep. Yeah. They um they definitely inspire each other. Yeah. Uh, and Baz Luhrmann definitely has a uh, a style to his movies. I mean, you mentioned the three, um, but I discovered him with Simply Ballroom. Uh, 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 Strictly Ballroom. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Strictly Ballroom, which was yeah. one of if not his first one of his very early films mm-hmm. um strictly it was his first uh which he released and well he was the producer on that or the writer on that um oh, but it was also his first movie that he directed mm-hmm. that he did in 1992 and if you haven't seen that movie definitely suggest going and, and finding it checking it out because again like the the energy of his films are very it's just it's very i don't artistic <laughs> but not artistic like very musical it's like if a broadway musical were to come alive but it's not like the broadway musical singing and dancing the entire time except for moulin rouge and uh the romeo and juliet but sure. definitely like they have that energy like that kinetic energy to them yeah. Yes. He do adapt, adapt. He, he definitely adopts uh, a very like fast paced, you know, editing style, you know, to match the music or perform stuff like that. You know, like the cuts definitely is on par with the energy of a sequence that you watch. Okay. This is how we sum it up. I would say, you know, he, in his genre, the movies he make kind of stat, like style-wise, the energy is similar to like a Michael Bay action movie. Except it's nothing blowing up, but the energy, the kinetic energy is similar. You know, just like Moulin Rouge. It was a couple like just dance sequences that was just like so, you know, so uh so fast-paced, like a lot of quick cuts. It's just like it just matched the the energy of the, the dancing and the music and all that stuff. So I mean honestly it's not a bad thing, but I'm just saying like he he has that energy as far as how he edit and paces his sequences with music and performances as if Michael Bay is doing like an action sequence. Yeah, I, yeah, no that that's a perfect description description. And for Elvis, like capturing the performances, the the hip wiggle, um, the singing and the dancing on stage, and then the the audience reaction to Elvis, um, it works really well for this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, the film, although it's called Elvis, is not about Elvis. Elvis just happens to be the element that allows us to hear Colonel Tom Parker's story as. Like is it's the thread that moves the story along from beginning to end is Elvis, but the story really is Tom Parker's story. Right, exactly. Right, because pretty much the device of the story, like General said, is is the Colonel talking to us, the audience, in you know various kind of voiceovers through sequences and stuff like that, you know. Um, so it's like he's telling us the audience kind of his side of 
the story or the situations and things like that. So even though what we're we're seeing, he would real kind of reel us back in narration of like, well, this is what he he thought or this is what he was thinking and things like that with Elvis in certain points of his career and what how I think it would it would I, I looked out for him you know I did it you know because it would you know it would make him a star and stuff like that so we can kind of still sympathize with him because like Jim was said because the story is is framed upon him telling us Elvis story through the lens of him so it's like all right well he's trying to like tell us his side but you know but we see yeah. it otherwise right. Right. So, yeah, the film starts out with us learning about the colonel um, being a carny and discovering this musician. And then the musician is Elvis. And how did Elvis get his start? And then we dive into a little bit of Elvis's background and how they ran into each other. And like 50 percent of the film is fiction and about 50% is based on fact. So like how they Elvis and the, and the Colonel meet in real life, um, the way that they set it up in the film is all fictional. Um, and with interviews that Baz has done, he, he said that, you know, he was inspired by their relationship and some of the facts, but the way that he wrote the screenplay was that it was a superhero story and you sort of have the man behind the superhero uh, pulling his strings, who, which is, in this case, the colonel. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so you, it's, it is funny. I don't know if the movie was trying to give us okay like i said we were hearing the story through the colonel and so you know once i was once i watched it and it was done i was like okay so did the movie supposed was it supposed to have been a situation where we were on the fence about the colonel like because it wasn't like okay like i'm i still think he was not a good manager and a very manipulative person. So, like, I I know this is supposed to be kind of an ambiguous, like, all right, you know, if you, you know, you see some good things, these are bad things about them, but, you know, where do you fall? It's like, well, it just kind of seemed like it's still painting him as, like, the (laughs) the bad. I I think to most people, um, the current, like, I would I would say that most people that are Elvis fans would view the Colonel as um, a villain in real life in his story, and I think the movie sort of touches on that um, a bit. Um, you know, some people believe that Elvis may or may not have been famous without the Colonel, but his records were already being played on the radio by Sam, Sam Phillips who had sun records and had a radio station in the South. I think it was just a matter of time that Elvis was going to explode with his talent and, and having um, like perfect time to, to release what was black gospel music by a white man uh, in a time when America was changing and he was like the right face, the right talent, the right energy to become a star. I mean, he was very talented and he was, he was very nice to look at also. 
<laughs> can totally see why the girls in the fifties were freaking out over him. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's doing all the all the the hip twisting and all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so it's kind of like. But I mean, the colonel also did take. Like as a manager, fifty percent of what Elvis was making, he did make some sort of shady deals that we get to that in the movie. Um, What the movie doesn't necessarily get to too much is like the later years when Elvis was doing a bit too many drugs, and um, the colonel had a bunch of Elvis's quote unquote bodyguards fired. And it's rumored that he had him fired because they were they were starting to talk about um, Elvis doing too many drugs and really needed to eliminate that from his life to be healthy, to continue to sing and perform. And the colonel is the one that fired them and separated them. And people believe you get a little bit that in this film, there's one scene in the end uh, where the colonel's like, I don't care what you have to do. He has to get on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think this is something that we've seen in other musicians through, through the decades is that, People around them just want them for their money and for their performances, not necessarily worried about them to take care of them. And I think the movie sort of gets into this and, um, you know, Elvis fans sort of believe that the Colonel wasn't the best thing for Elvis as towards the end of his life. Because he was just wanted the money and the performances didn't care about the man. Right. I mean, well, okay. So, how, so how, how do you, like, well, how do you, what's your stance on a colonel? I guess. Yeah. But he saw a cash cow and he was going to take him for everything he could for as long as he could. That's show business, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. It's kind of like, yeah, I mean, he's a businessman, you know? He's yeah. Funny. I mean, like, Elvis did 16. 16- hundred performances in his life in like 270 cities only in the u.s um and they sort of get into this in the film also that like the colonel didn't want him to tour internationally uh in the movie they kept the colonel kept saying well for security issues uh and they get into it in one scene where he you find out that the colonel doesn't have a passport. And that's because the colonel was here in the U.S. illegally. Uh, His name wasn't even really uh, the Colonel Tom Parker. Uh, That was a made-up name that he gave himself. He was actually from, I think, Sweden or something. Mm. He was from Europe somewhere. Um, and the whole reason he didn't want Elvis to tour is because he couldn't go with him and he would worry, he was worried that he would lose control of Elvis. And right. so, you know, Elvis was just his little puppet. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I feel like they were sort of soft on Tom Parker. You could really have made him into a, a serious villain. Um, but yeah. that's just my POV. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's, like you said, like the clever, device of this story is is told through the lens of him so yeah, yeah like so of course he 
if if we were to hear him tell us this story, I I don't think, like you said, we would see him confessing to being a full on villainous person in his life because he's trying to convince us, the audience, that he had nothing but the, like good intentions for you know Elvis. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, yeah, no, I just honestly, you know, hey, you know, he was a businessman, you know. Okay, like you said, it's a cash cow. You know, one of one of the most popular performers performers at the time. Yeah, you gonna do whatever you got to do, you know, to keep that golden goose where it needs to be. Um, yeah, and then I do like want to give a shout out to. Baz Luhrmann, he did like for some of the black actors uh, who are playing famous musicians uh, he did cast some actual musicians to play the musicians (laughs) so for example like Gary Clark Jr. who is an amazing guitarist um, and performer if you ever have an opportunity to see him live go see him he plays uh, Big Boy Crudup. Um, Sister Rosetta Tharp plays Yola, who there's a scene where she's singing and Elvis starts to, or Yola plays his Sister Rosetta Tharp, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, um, there's a scene where she's singing and Elvis starts to do Al Capella with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shanka Dukura uh, plays Big Big Mama Thornton, who's she's another musician. So, yeah. like, I think it was really nice. He was casting real mm-hmm. black talent to play the historic <laughs> figures. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and uh, actually, the person who played, you know, young BB King, actually kind of looked like a young BB King. Um, yeah, like, and B.B. King was played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, wow, good, like, good cast on that one. Yeah, and, you know, like I say, you know, that's where he got the the hound dog song, you know, he's like, hey, I can do something with this. So, and he did something with it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, Elvis, El- like, Elvis would be a very interesting movie. Like, not necessarily have a movie like told through him, but a movie just like this one that was told like this this version was told through the Colonel, right? I would love to see an Elvis movie told through the eyes of the black artists, you know. Like, you know, my like Big Marvel Thornton and all that stuff. Like I would love to like see their point of view, like how like like how he was in that circle. And how he took the mute, like he just, you know, took the music to the mainstream and what he did or did not do to kind of, you know, give uh, back like, this, you know, to the. Yeah. And <laughs> throughout his career during interviews, like he definitely gave props to black musicians. I think the interesting story would be between him and Little Richard, and Little Richard has come out or came out often saying that he stole rock and roll. Um, and is that like, like Elvis did grow up in a poor black neighborhood in the South. I mean, he did go to black Southern Baptist churches where he learned gospel and singing and how to dance. So he was 
doing what he knew because that was what he grew up with. It just happened that he was a white man and it was, it's easier to promote a white man than it is a black man. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like no one could put, have put that against him. I guess, I guess, I guess like the criticism you could say is when he did get to that point where he could reach back, he could maybe in a way, you know, have a, a sub record company that could highlight these people that was that he was influenced with so much. And, you know, it was like, you know, it's kind of like, what did he do to like show his appreciation of that? Yeah. He grew up with it. In a lot of interviews, he did say that like B.B. King and Big Boy Crudup and, and like like these are the musicians that I that that taught me how to be who I am. Uh-huh. I think, you know, so he he didn't necessarily have him on stage performing with him. And maybe he could have done that. Maybe he couldn't because he was under the control of the colonel. <laughs> but, yeah. you know. If you talked to Little Richard, Little Richard said that he was evil and the white <laughs> devil and everything. So. Oh, good old Richard. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think that's kind of like what I would say. Like, yeah, you could like you could give shout outs to the black coach all you want, but it's like, all right, well, at the end of the day, with the millions and millions you're collecting, it's like, you know, are you kicking anything back down? I mean, even not even a record deal, the form of, hey, you know, let me build something in the area I used to live at around these poor black people. You know, y'all need a new ter- church or something? Let me do something for you guys over here. I don't know if he did that, right? So it's kind of like, you know. I, I, I don't <laughs> think he was very good with his money, considering he when he died, he was broke. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, the colonel was taking a shit ton of his money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. So. But yeah, 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 I, yeah, I get all that. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. But it's kind of like, hey, well, you know, like, 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 like saying, yeah, you know, these people influence me. Like, okay, but they're still poor. They still live where they are. It's like, all right. <laughs> and I'm not, and there's no clause. It's like, okay, I'm going to make sure I kick back a, a penny per, a half a penny per sale for, you know, you guys just for, you know, the hound dog because that wasn't my song kind of thing. You know? But, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> like you said, Colonel, but yeah, Colonel was holding holding the cards and doing it. Of course, the Colonel would have never allowed that ever. Yeah, I, I mean, I like. I think Elvis was a performer. He wasn't a businessman. He was right. definitely not good with his money. Um, I think that there's some people that are artists that get so caught up in their performance, what they're doing, their talent, their art, that they don't think about how that impacts the world around them, how that impacts the people that they've taken from, how the the people that inspired them, um, or how they can pay it forward or pay it back. So, you know, at the end of the day, if I believe that if he had different people around him, and maybe this is just me being biased, but if he had different people around him, maybe he would have, you know, if he didn't have someone like the colonel pulling his strings, maybe he would have done something different. Like, 
can you imagine if he and Smokey Robinson had worked together? I feel like that could have done something more for the black community, but would the Colonel ever let him go there? Sam? No, definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. Can you, can you imagine if Elvis went up to Motown and partnered with them? But that would have been beneficial to the Colonel. So Mm -hmm. I like to think in a different reality. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that's definitely been a good uh multiverse where you know Stevie Stevie Wonder is on the keys behind him while he's playing. Like, yeah, that would have been awesome, you know. <laughs> uh but yeah, like you said, but just not in that multiverse right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So but, got some some white European this is probably racist. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah so yeah you know it is what it is I mean like I said you know of course Elvis don't like black folks don't really you know follow Elvis like that Elvis is definitely you know like the white people's artist right there um you'd be hard pressed to like go to a black person and, like you dig Elvis like no uh even the, even the the elders, they're probably like, nah, I was too busy listening to Chuck Berry and like Little Richard and you know, all of them. You know, I wasn't I wasn't like I wasn't listening to the imitated, the imitation of them. I was actually listening to the artists. Um so yeah. yeah so, and, and that's understandable, but his versions are still very good. Like he was a good singer. No, oh, look, he was an awesome talent. I mean, no one like no one can say that. No one can take that away from him at all. Like he he was a good performer, entertainer. He was a he was a showman. He was he just he knew he commanded the stage. Yeah, he, yeah, he had a great voice. Definitely like for a white for a white boy. Yeah, he had an awesome voice. You know, compared to you know all the other artists at the time that was singing when he was singing. Yeah, he yeah he definitely he, he had it. Yeah, you know. So no, Bob just saying. <laughs> yeah, but like. It's too different, right? It's like if you, you know, if you talk to, you know, black people, they're like, okay, I was listening to the actual black artist that inspired Elvis. You go to white mainstream, it's like, oh, I was listening to Elvis. So it's kind of, you have like two different, you know, versions. Uh, So, like, suspicious minds. Like, Mm -hmm. is, is that only been done by him and a few, a bunch of other white artists? I don't know if that's a. Oh, well, I mean, uh, to Elvis' credit, like, Elvis is the only artist that actually, you know, let main, the, like, mainstream white, you know, listeners know that. So I don't think is, a lot of white, white folks would have ever discovered those other artists if it wasn't for Elvis. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I, I'll... I would, yeah, I would, I would agree with you somewhat on it. Yes, and, and and like, yes, I go back and listen to the originals, but Elvis's version is still good. I oh, mean, yeah. they're diff- they're different types of versions. I think it just depends on what mood you're in, on like what you want to listen to. I don't think that there's, a, you know, mm. I don't think just because I'm white, I'm going to always go listen to the Elvis version. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I think uh, they they all have their different music 
places. Yeah, totally. Yeah, of course. I mean, but I'm saying in this case of, you know, the popularity of Elvis and the zeitgeist of American music, it's like it's 98% on the side of, you know, white America. Like Elvis didn't really, you know, wasn't really in the zeitgeist of black American, like lit intake of music, you know, just like, okay, we know we, we it's like they recognize Elvis. Elvis is over there. He's doing his thing. That's all well and good. It's like, all right, like, do you like, cool. Like, but like, we're good, we, but we're listening to our people right now. So, but not to say you're not good, white boy. Like, do your thing, do your shaking on stage. But you know, like, like I said, we you know we listen to you know uh, what's his name, Muddy Waters. We listen to Chuck Berry. Like, this, like we we got the their their vinyls on right now. You know, so but that's kind of like that's kind of where the divide with his popularity as far as you know the <laughs> but so, yeah. Between the two, pretty much. So, but I say he's a great, he's a great artist. He's a great artist. I'm just saying, he just you know, yeah. black folks are really talking like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's Chicago folks because I definitely know a handful of black folks in New York that do appreciate Elvis and his music. <laughs> appreciate, but are they a fan? They have it on their playlist. Do they have more than two albums of his? Does anyone have more than, like, I think in this time of iPhones and playlists, oh, yeah. you don't have, out like, I don't, I know very few people that have vinyls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's another boy because everybody have playlists. So like, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Okay, I would there, say I, the, I maybe have one or two Elvis songs on a playlist, and <laughs> that is the same as most people. I would say that some of his songs have been remade by other artists, and I would prefer the remakes to his songs. Okay, uh, to, to that black person, that, okay, this is the biggest question. What do he play Elvis in like? Uh, 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 a black function and or barbecue and or family reunion and or <laughs> birthday. No, he's not playing no Elvis around that. <laughs> around over. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, you dropped Elvis at a black bar. Like, what the hell? Don't turn that shit off. No, put on some, put on some Smokey Robinson. What you, what you doing? Uh, so I'll just say it. Like, it's, it's, the vibe is different. <laughs> we we can agree to disagree. I'm gonna say that there's some early Elvis songs that could be played in a black gospel mix that would totally fit in with the rest. Agree, agree. Long as Mahalia Jackson ain't on that playlist, that'd be blasphemy if you throw an Elvis around a Mahalia Jackson song. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we got? What we got? What's our uh uh, send the sofa and watch it. It's now available on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Have it on in the background while you're doing other things or just forget it. Go outside and take on the world. <laughs> um, I. OK, man. OK, so I got to split this one up for visual, pure visual bars. Larman, Larman, 
Oz Lerman, Lamin Lerman, him. Okay, for pure like aesthetic, yeah, you know, just how he do movies, like it, like you have to watch it. Like he just have a way of just making really visually like stimulating movies. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it. like like visually, yes. Um, the movie was about. 30 minutes too long for me. I think the movie's like a, like 120, and that was like two hours and 26 something minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it, I, you felt the length of that movie. Of, I would say it was an hour too long for me. It was two, two hours and 39 minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like an hour could have been cut it off, cut off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, the runtime, yeah, it, it really felt this runtime at a certain point. Um, you know, like, like huh? if I could do an edit of this film where it's just all the like Austin Butler doing Elvis performances, and and I would have been totally happy with that. <laughs> um, yeah, the movie, like the movie, I could take it or leave it. I guess it's sort of on in the background. Yeah, same here. I mean, even though you have to peek in for, like you said, Austin Butler's performance because his performance is amazing. Like, fucking amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's one of those, like, now I'm conflicted. Like, you gotta sit down and watch him, though. It's like, because he did an awesome performance. I mean... But it was too damn long to move. So I'm like, I'm torn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I would leave... Holy shit, scene. there is a four-hour cut of the film. Well, it's like a Snyder Cut situation? Yeah. <laughs> nah, no thank you. Uh, Okay, I would I would tilt I tilt a little more towards the sit down, like only because you know Tom Hanks, you know Austin Butler's performances were great, uh, and Boz Larman. So it's kind of like those three Boz Larman's, you know, uh, mood style of filmmaking, Austin Butler's breakout performance, of course Tom Hanks doing his thing. Like uh, those are three that kind of ticks me more over to sit down, you know, at least once. Like just just check it out. Um, just, just know it's not the shortest movie. <laughs> so going back to our earlier conversation on whether or not he lifted people up, mm-hmm. uh, he did collaborate okay. with the little gospel group called the Sweet Inspirations. <sighs> the group was founded by Miss Sissy Houston and her sister, Lee Warwick. You may notice the name <laughs> Sissy Houston because mm-hmm. she's the mother of Whitney, Whitney. Houston. Uh-huh. Oh, did they do? They were the singers uh, the, that with the Glory Hallelujah when Elvis did that. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. And the only time he won Grammys were for his gospel music, which would have been backed by the Sweet Inspirations. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know. It, that's that's a good thing. Like, yeah, you know, I give him, I give him, I give him his, I tip his hat to that. You know what I mean? So, you know, so he did like at least he did he did something. I guess that's like all right, <laughs> which is cool. But yeah, so yeah, so like I say, he he was an interesting figure in real life. Um, I mean, not a really complex fellow. Um, you know, he, oh. you know, so you know. Yeah, and we, we didn't get into his like super shady shit, you know. Yeah, 
his yeah. wife was 14, See? 10 years, <laughs> 10 years younger than him and 14 when he met her. Yeah. But you know, it's like, yeah, that's just kind of sad. Oh, but look at the costumes. Look at the costumes. Um, right. It's funny. Like, uh, it, it reminds me of uh, that hilarious line in a uh, walk hard to Dewey Cox story when like Dewey meets Chris, the Christian Wig character and he argues with his parents and he asks Chris's where a uh, wig character. So are you can you, I want you to marry me. And Christian Wig was like, do you hear that? I was 14 year old wife. <laughs> I mean there's too too many musicians in the fifties where Marrying their yeah, teenage girls. Yeah, because Jerry Lee Lewis married his like cousin, right? Yeah, when she was like twelve or fourteen also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well there's that. <laughs> but anywho. Oh <laughs> uh, old news, I guess. Um but yeah, Elbersh. Uh it's on HBO Max. Uh yeah, we um, so you are you a sit down or a background? I don't forget. What was your definitive decision? It's, it's- have on the background, but if someone gave me an edit of just Austin Butler's performances in the film, I'd, I'd watch that. <laughs> or maybe the four-hour cut is like extended performances of him. Yeah, no, I, I don't need four hours of an ex- Just give me a, like an hour of Austin B- Butler doing Elvis. I'm totally fine with that. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, we'll let the Warner big wigs uh, send a memo. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's Elvis, y'all. Elvis has left the building, and so have we. Uh, and we'll catch you next week with another one. Until then, we'll say one safe physical distancing in. Stay safe out there. Yes. And stay hydrated. Peace.